Hi and welcome to episode 113 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger and my guest today is 2021 Sulman Prize winner Georgia Spain. But before I bring you that conversation, I just wanted to say hello to all my fellow Greater Sydney Siders who, as I record this, are all locked down for the next few weeks. Hope you're doing okay. And to keep us connected, I'll be doing more live Instagram where I invite anyone watching to join me on the screen and have a chat. So if you're on Instagram, watch out for the next live. It'll probably be this Thursday. I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 3rd of August, 2021. There's a great active painting community on Instagram. So please, if you're not on Instagram, join up and join me on Instagram Live. But let me take you back to only a few weeks ago when I was at the Art Gallery of New South Wales at the announcement of the Archibald Wynn and Sulman Prizes. And a 27-year-old artist, Georgia Spain, was announced as the winner of the Sulman Prize with her stunning work, Getting Down or Falling Up. You might have seen her humble acceptance speech on my Instagram page, but it wasn't until after that day that I learnt more about her and I realised I just had to ask her for an interview. In addition to the Sulman, she's received the Brett Whiteley Travelling Arts Scholarship and won the Women's Art Prize Tasmania, not to mention a number of solo shows already under her belt. But Georgia is also a singer and songwriter and her album Trouble Isn't Something You Can Hold, recorded in 2017, draws from life experiences and is incredibly moving. All the works we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. We recorded this remotely with Georgia in Tasmania where she lives with her partner, musician Oscar Lush. Our conversation starts with her telling me about her memories of Ireland where she spent seven years of her early childhood up to the age of nine. I have pretty strong memories of Ireland. It's pretty formative years between like two and two and nine you know they're kind of your primary childhood years I guess like pretty good memories yeah it was very um idyllic place in a way to grow up in a lot of ways it was it in the countryside whereabouts in Ireland yeah so it's for four years in Dublin and then four years on the west coast of Ireland which is pretty like special and slightly magical mystical place rains a lot but it is yeah, there's something kind of magic in the air there. Yeah, I know. I love Ireland. I love it. So what So, what are your memories of coming to Australia when you first got here? Oh, well, within about two weeks, my accent changed. I had a very strong Irish accent and then it disappeared. I, I think I remember feeling like, just like, wow, everyone lives so sort of like so much outdoors. Everyone's outdoors <laughs> all the time. Like... I, I loved it. I think I kind of think my my parents were in a very like good place. My fa- like it was like exciting new adventure moving to Australia. Yeah, right. I know you live in Tasmania now. Yes. Um, and it looks so. I mean, I've been. I saw on Instagram how idyllic it looks and everything. Can you tell me a bit about where you live? What it's like? It is very idyllic. It's about we live about thirty minutes out of Hobart, so it's not like that rural in comparison to some places but um it feels quite rural and where we are it's called the south arm and it's basically got water on every side and yeah it's very beautiful it's a very the kind of stunning part of the world I feel very lucky to be here especially at the moment are you ever tempted to um in like paint 
plein air or do landscapes? Um, it's funny. Everyone asks that. Like, it's sort of like a Tasmanian rite of passage that you should be like a landscape painter. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think the landscape maybe creeps into my work sometimes. But I'm not. I find it quite frustrating trying to paint plein air. I've tried, like, not here specifically, but I have tried in the past, and I'm. I feel like I'm just not very good at it. And I'm also like, it's so beautiful and I'll never be able to capture it in my paintings, so why do I bother? <laughs> well, know? there's also something about, I mean, I'm a bit like that too. I, it's also something about being in your studio. Yeah. Do, do you find it easier to paint in the studio environment? Definitely. It's like got, you know, it's got my things. It's got my, my stuff all laid out how I like it. You know, I like having lots of paint pots and like my brushes in certain places and yeah, when you're out of the studio, it's kind of disorientating or something. Well, you've got to sort of be prepared with your kit and everything. Yeah, so, and yeah. some people are, are amazing at it. Like, yeah, I was listening to the Emily Imerson podcast with, oh, yeah, with right. you and she was talking about, you know, painting outside on the floor and on the side of the van and I'm just like, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, no, I know. I think, it's, I think you've got to be a certain type of person that enjoys that. You know? Yeah. But um, so are you in your studio now? Yeah, I'm in my little... My studio is at home, so I'm kind of at home and in the studio at the same time. I've got... We've got one big open space that has our kitchen, our bedroom, and then kind of a separate area that is, like, uh, blocked off with a curtain, which is my studio. It's sometimes great living in the same space as my studio, but... Also, sometimes I wish I had a bit of space from my work. Can you tell me a bit about whether anybody in your family is artistic? Um, I think I read somewhere that your dad is an artist. Yeah, both both my parents, are, well, my dad is an artist and both my parents have worked in the arts for a very long time. So I think it's been, I've been very lucky that it's kind of been nurtured in me and yeah valued from a very young age that it's something that it's worthwhile spending your life doing they they both are very um embedded i guess in the arts or the arts is very embedded in their lives so i think i've i've grown up around that and carried that into my own adult life and also i read somewhere that you went to a steiner school was that in ireland that was actually when we moved to Australia, I went to Steiner. It was a Steiner stream in a mainstream school. Um, so it wasn't hardcore Steiner, but it definitely had a lot of the Steiner values, um, which I really, you know, feel very grateful for. Mm. What is hardcore Steiner? <laughs> um, I guess hardcore Steiner would be like not allowed to wear black to school or, you know, like kind of maybe they're not so much a thing anymore. Maybe that's just something we like I I thought when I was growing up, like, oh, we're not proper Steiner. Like we're just casual Steiner. (laughs) Steiner light. Yeah, Steiner light. Exactly. Well, I don't know a lot about Steiner school, but I understand that there's a lot of music involved with that as well. Yeah, there's definitely a big focus or emphasis on music and creativity. But I think the main thing that I appreciate about Steiner is the 
emphasis on like each person being individual like that sounds a bit cheesy but like people you know fostering everyone's each person's individuality Mm. i guess that's my dog oh there's minnow there's minnow (laughs) minnow on your bed go on she loves coming in here go on on your bed she'd be a great she'd be a great companion actually in the studio i'm sure yeah she's pretty she's a pretty lucky dog she gets like you know she never ever spends a minute on her own because she's pretty much always with me oh <laughs> but so, yeah, what, yeah. What was oh, well so <laughs> you leapt from steiner to vca which is victorian's college of the arts mm-hmm. you did fine arts there what is that where you i'm, I'm assuming you were painting like long before you went to yeah I was painting in high school like I was always doing art classes I picked pretty much all arts subjects and my final year I made some like big paintings and I was like oh this is exciting like this is this is fun (laughs) and then my art teacher was very encouraging and said like you should you know apply to VCA I was kind of unsure what I was going to do what were those paintings of they were of they were of my friends they were like one was a one was of a friend like they were portraits essentially but they were not I guess conventional in their form or something um and one was of me and my sister and I can't remember what the other one was but they were yeah they were kind of the first time I'd worked on a big scale and I was definitely much more I was trying to get a more perfect image, copying photos, very much trying to paint, not photorealistic, but in a more realistic way than my paintings now. Well, that's so interesting because even in the last couple of shows, you're Mm. moving further and further away from that more realistic, you know, portrayal, so looser brush strokes and... Some of those paintings in your current show at Egg and Dart, like, for example, um, Pantomime, where you've got this group yeah. of, of, of figures that they're almost a mass and they're almost like a trunk of a tree or something like that. Yeah. You know? Is that something you're consciously moving towards? Yeah, I think so. I think I've, I think I've like, realised, or not realised, but the painters that I'm drawn to at the moment are all painting in quite a loose abstracted not necessarily abstract but like less focused on the the picture and more on the painting like the brushstrokes and the mark making so I think that's what I'm leaning towards at the moment and it it stressed me out a little bit at first like being like oh my god my work's changed so much since my last year's show like what if people don't like it and I've got to keep reminding myself that it like really doesn't matter whether people like it or not. And that, yeah, change change is really important to me. There's a good um, Philip Guston quote about, you know, the importance of like change and embracing it in your own practice. And yeah, I'm trying to embrace it and just see where I go with it. Do you have any view as to what has um, influenced you in that regard? I mean, everybody changes. Like, has there been a turning point? Yeah, do you think... I mean, getting the Brett Whiteley Travelling Arts Scholarship, like, when I read that you had two weeks in Kangaroo Valley in a residency with the other artists, so there were five Mm. people that got it last year, 
in case people don't know, usually people go to Paris for a residency. One person gets chosen, but because of COVID, five people were chosen for a shorter residency locally. What was that like? Because that sounds like absolute heaven to me. It was. It was actually like, I guess, yeah, life-changing sounds a bit dramatic, but I think it really instilled in me a feeling of like, this is what I want to be doing. And being being around other artists was like so invaluable. It was kind of, I think I underestimated how much I need that in my in my life or like we all felt like that at the end. Like, wow, how lucky we are to kind of spend two weeks with other artists and you realise how much you bounce off each other and yeah. And did you have meal times together and all that sort of thing? Yeah, it was like breakfast, lunch and dinner together every minute in between swimming at the river together it was it was kind of it was intense but it was like super productive as well were you working in the same space yeah so we had one one big studio essentially that at first I was like what I can't share a studio with four other artists no way (laughs) (laughs) and then by the you know second or third day it was we were all like as friends and you know listening to music communally we're all listening to the same thing and so you weren't hearing wearing headphones or anything like people weren't in their own little world with headphones I, I started out with that I was like I've got my headphones on I'm not talking to anyone I know what I'm doing I you know I've got my own practice I don't need you <laughs> and then sort of yeah just realized how important it was and at the end of each day we did like a little kind of mini crit kind of thing like like you would at art school so with each other rather than having yeah and also we got mentorship from kind of other people during that time which was really important as well yeah I read somewhere that Ben Quilty was going to be one of them did he end up coming yeah so Ben came and was like was a really big motivator I think for all of us just in his he's got a lot of energy Mm. you know he brings a lot of uh, it is quite infectious, really. You're like, wow, he loves painting so much and it, it makes you, yeah, it's pretty inspiring. So does that mean before that, were you juggling music a bit more? Like were you sort of thinking maybe music was going to be the the major creative outlet? Yeah. So uh, when I finished art school, I was like feeling pretty burnt out with the art world or like the the Melbourne art scene I was feeling a bit like oh I don't think I belong and you know I don't know if there's a place for the kind of painting I want to do and just feeling a bit yeah I guess like I wanted a break from it and so I was really focusing on music playing lots of gigs and recording and thinking that's that this is what I want to do but still painting kind of in the background just like chipping away at it but not showing anyone and then yeah maybe two or three years ago I was like all right I'm ready to show some work again. Well I saw that Instagram post where you wrote um actually I've got to find it because otherwise I won't get it right. Oh the the dreaded Instagram post. You shouldn't put so much Instagram because then people like me come along and trawl through it. I know (laughs) delete it all. (laughs) Well a few months before your first show you'd posted help me where can I show my work? Oh, and yeah. then a few months later, you had a show 
And I thought, I wonder whether, you know, getting it out there and letting the world know you're ready actually helps it mm. come true. Is that, was there a connection? Um, I think if it's the show I'm thinking of that was in Melbourne at Schoolhouse Studios, which is just like a, uh, like an artist run space, I guess it's, you know, it's not a commercial gallery or anything. It's you apply and then you, if you get it, you, you pay for the space. Oh, actually maybe you don't, I think I did pay for the space, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just like, where do people, how do people get shows? Like, where do people show their work? I was feeling like very away from the art world. So I just sort of organised it myself. Oh, so you um, heard about the space and that, and you applied. Yeah, right. and they were, had like an open call or something and I was like, oh, I'll apply for that, you know, space to show. And that must have been a successful exhibition, was it? Yeah, it was successful in that I, you know, I was like, wow, it's nice to share work. It's, you know, it felt good to like for people to see it. Um successful in terms of like selling I can't remember not not particularly (laughs) (laughs) I suppose successful in in getting you to see yourself as an artist as a painter yeah absolutely and and for other people I suppose to see like oh you have been working on that like that's something you've kept doing since art school you didn't just give it up yeah and and even from early on right through it's been it's really been the figure hasn't it that's been your subject matter yeah, I think I've always been drawn drawn to people. It's just endlessly interesting. It doesn't get boring, the mm. human figure. And we don't get bored of looking at it. We're, we've, you know, depicted humans and the human form since forever, since humans existed and made marks. So I think we're, it's always interesting to look at people oh definitely well let's jump forward to um after the brit whiteley traveling scholarship traveling art scholarship mm. and of course the sulman prize which is like a pretty for people from overseas who are listening the sulman prize is a big deal here it's sort of um one of the three big prizes at the art gallery of new south wales together with the archibald and the win prize that painting that you uh, entered is i really loved it and i think it was a, a standout in in a very strong field of paintings so i thought the sulman was really good this year i really enjoyed it yeah it was a good show it was good wasn't it and um it's called getting down or falling up and it's and it's like as we were saying a group of figures in various positions of falling down and getting up um all sort of together did you paint that for the sawman or was that a painting you had that you um just thought i'm gonna put this in yeah i just had i had it and it was pretty big and i was like oh i'm not sure where where it's gonna go <laughs> in terms of its size like I was like I can't fit it keep it in my studio <laughs> so yeah I entered and I I'd never entered before so I just thought oh this you know it's worth a try kind of thing wow <laughs> feeling a pretty yeah well didn't expect to even get in it so so that must have been incredibly overwhelming when did, did they call you I presume because they had to get you up there to Sydney well, actually, I was I was going up anyway. I didn't I didn't know I'd won, but I was like, I'm going to go. You know, it's a, it's the Art Gallery of New South Wales. It's a big deal. Yeah, it <laughs> sure go. is. And my partner's family's from up there, so it's always a nice excuse to go up. And yeah, got a call on the morning of from Michael Brand, and I was like, Oh my god! <laughs> so you didn't know until the day? Yeah, I didn't know until the day. 
So the day before at the artist's lunch, I was walking around like a bit of a loser. No one knew who I was, thinking, oh, God, I don't know anyone in the Sydney art scene except for Ben. Ben Coulty, obviously, was, you know, everyone wants to talk to Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so that was a full-on experience, I'm sure, because there was a lot of camera, a lot of big cameras there on that day. Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty full on. Well, you did very well. I must say that speech, I mean, I put that speech on Instagram and it got a lot of views. So a lot of people are interested in you winning that. That's so funny. I did not think it was a particularly exciting speech or anything and everyone was like, great speech. Well, you know what I think when I saw you get up there? I thought, you know what, you're just so authentic and yourself. And I just think that's what appeals to people when they – and also – you're young and everybody, yeah, everybody... I think it's inspiring for people to see a young person win a prize like that. Exactly. It gives them hope. <laughs> well, it gives them hope, but also it, it, it sort of, it's like the new generation coming through. It's very refreshing as mm. well. And I think uh, mm. people love seeing that. So good on you. Um, but also, but then like five days later, you win another art prize. <laughs> yeah, that was the Women's Art Prize Tasmania. Yeah, that was pretty surreal, to be honest. I was like, well, you know, I can't, I won't win that because I've just won an art prize and like I simply cannot win two in one week. That's just, you know, impossible. <laughs> Big week. <laughs> I know, huge. Mm-hmm. So how has that affected you because you've you've won these three art prizes in basically a year has that changed like changed your direction or your opportunities or how how's it been yeah I mean it's obviously amazing I feel very lucky and I don't want to undermine the hard work I've put in but I feel like in some ways the stars have sort of aligned for me like I've just been really lucky <laughs> to win to win all those three in such a short space um I guess on a like practical level of course it's super beneficial to win anything financially when you're an artist because it allows you to keep keep working um but on the flip side someone asked the other day like what is how does it feel to have all this success so young and I was like well I mean, to be honest, I feel exactly the same in my studio when I'm trying to make a painting. Like I still, it's dramatic, but like I'm still struggling so hard to try and like make something that I feel good about. You know, it's hard. It's still really hard work. Just winning a prize doesn't mean it's not like it becomes any easier. Well, actually, and you could, and I could totally understand if it sometimes it could become harder. Yeah, I guess there's an element of like, oh, people are watching what I do now, whereas before no one cared that much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, an interesting thing about, you know, Elizabeth Cummings uh, judged that prize and she's one of our leading artists here in Australia. And an interesting thing she said that she really put her finger on something, I think. She said not only the work was vibrant and alive, but it was well resolved. And, you know... I think that is probably one of the hardest things for an artist and it's almost elusive, I think. Like how do you know? Mm. I, I think the word resolve means you get to a point and then you sort of bring it all together. Do you um, yeah. Do you find there's a point where you sort of have to, there's that, oh, that's an impossible question to answer. but I think that I'm, I'm terrible at knowing when to stop. I, 
I think that particular Sulman painting is actually a good example of a painting which I just was I I knew I was working and I just left it but if it had stayed in my studio any longer I probably would have destroyed it <laughs> I mean I if something's around me for too long I tend to be like oh maybe I'll just re repaint over that bit and yeah it's a it's a really hard thing to do to to know when to leave something and it's some it's something like deep down that you've got to kind of go okay that's I'm definitely I'm happy with it leave it would you get any advice from your partner like does your partner sort of ever come to the studio and give you like say what he thinks or well I think because the studio is so like it's in the house he's he's seeing work as it evolves a lot so I think he's very wary of being like oh I like it like that because he knows that that will influence me and I'll be like oh okay maybe I'll leave it like that you know I think he's kind of wary of not giving giving too much until I've said this one's done yeah so he is he's he's careful well he's a creative as well so I suppose he music well writing music is probably similar in a funny way I mean you've written a lot of music um how do you find your music balances like do you find parallels or I think the I think I've I have struggled to kind of balance the two in the past and definitely feel like music's been on the back burner a little bit while I've been focusing on painting um but in terms of the how the two relate I think the main thing is that they're both me they're both kind of authentically me well it's interesting because when I was listening to your music which I think is absolutely amazing um and I was looking at the art I sort of felt the music was is much more a personal autobiographical type of thing in a Mm. way and the painting is more of a of a objective portrayal of something I don't know if you do you feel like that yeah I definitely think I've used music in the past as a you know form of therapy in a way that I've moved through that with making paintings I think maybe when I first started painting it was a bit a bit like that as well but I've moved to a point where I'm I'm no longer it's no longer so um intrinsically like tied to my biography you know to me all the time whereas my music is is been a real place to kind of heal and work Mm. through stuff Mm. well I know you've been very open about you know losing your sister um nine years ago and mm. and those and that and a number of those songs, in particular "Parasite" that I mentioned earlier, is such a moving work. And I think you know you're a poet as well, and the words are Thank so amazing. You. Did you find that that helped you through your grief? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's the only way that I was really able to work through it. Um, I think that that's the the power of any art form really is yeah how how much it can help you work through things huge things in your life Mm. but I also think any massive loss like that is going to kind of feed into anything I make in my life yeah I suppose especially when it comes at a time in your life that's such a formative time as well must have been a very difficult thing to go through 
Yeah, I was 18, so. Yeah. With your music, I mean, the other interesting thing was that, you know, as I said earlier, the music sort of came before the painting in a way, and you even did a European tour with your partner a few years ago. Holiday or tour? I don't know. (laughs) It was really a holiday with, you know, a few shows. Did you get many people turning up? We surprisingly, I mean, not huge crowds but we we didn't play to empty rooms we were kind of we were pretty lucky we managed to get small small audiences everywhere we went but we only played about five or six shows it wasn't a big big tour oh okay well there was a poster so I thought it looked pretty professional yeah that's how you make something look professional (laughs) have a poster yeah I mean it's it's interesting though because um Music to me seems like an impossible world to make a living out of almost, I would say. It must be very difficult. So you have to be quite dedicated to do that. How did you find the experience of doing, you know, recording a whole album and and all that? Was it a a rewarding thing? Yeah, very rewarding, but not in a financial way at all. I mean, I think most musicians pour money into kind of making records and playing shows because they love it and it's so underfunded and undervalued and the way that we consume music is completely you know we expect it to be free all the time and Mm. yeah I think it's really it is quite almost impossible to make a decent living off being a musician It's, it's really tough especially at the moment with no live gigs in a lot of places and no touring happening in the same way that it has in the past what advice would you give somebody starting out, you know, that's le- that are leaving art school about how did that? Because you're a great example of an emerging artist. So people look at you and, and think she's really going places. What would you advise people who have really got their eye on, on, on sort of getting ex- exhibitions up and running? Um, I feel like I'm too too young to give advice (laughs) no um I suppose like just it it does sound corny I think I've said this before but just like following what you do authentically like not trying to do anything that you think people will like I think social media is the real I mean I I use it and I definitely think it can be a great tool but I also think just don't look at it you know don't spend too much time on it don't worry about what other people are producing or how much they're doing or yeah just focus on trying to make good work and and work hard I mean I'm trying to have a very dedicated like you know practice where I'm in the studio all the time working do you treat it like a nine-to-five job how what's your routine like I would like to treat it like a nine-to-five job. I mean, I try to be in my studio most days, even if it's not, you know, painting a lot. Um, I don't really have a studio routine, but I guess my my daily routine is I I kind of value like I I start my day with a coffee and reading my book in bed, which feels a bit indulgent, but also. I really value it, so I do it. 
Um, and then walking my dog as well, which I think is part of my day. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, I mean, all of that feeds into getting prepared for the studio. Yeah, for sure. Reading particularly. So what would you read? Um, I read a lot of non-fiction. I mean, I read some fiction too, but I read a lot of essays and a lot of... Uh, about art, you mean? Yeah, about art and just about things in general. I love, I love sort of autobiographical memoir style things as well. Start with when you start a painting. Would you start with a sketch? Mm, no. Uh, sometimes I will work from a sketch in terms of like I'll I'll have a drawing that I'm like oh I like that idea I can see that being used as a painting. But I I've never sketched out onto the canvas and I. Yeah, I'm trying to move away from like copying something that already exists in a way. And like allowing the paint to be being more yeah, being intuitive with just like allowing the painting to kind of come together. And what about working on multiple works at the same time? Do you find that you do that or would you start one and finish it? Never do that. As in, I never start one and finish it. I, I'm pretty much always working on like quite a, quite a few. The more, the better, really. If I if I had the space, I think I'd be working on like twenty at a time, because <laughs> they kind of bounce off each other and they feel like they're having a conversation. Like you do something in one painting, like a really bright cadmium or something, and you're like, "Oh, I like that," and then it carries to the next one. It suits me to work on multiple things. Do you ever abandon one totally? Um, I try to keep working on them until they feel good, but sometimes they do just get like so thick and heavy with paint that it feels a bit like, oh, can I really paint over this again without it, you know, just feeling like it's got the the weight of all the layers under it. Yeah. But no, I tend to I tend to keep working on things until I'm happy with them. Mm. And they often are like very layered in terms of they start out one thing and then evolve onto being other things. Well, that's I suppose that is a large part of the appeal of your work as well, you know, having that history to it. One of the works that I really liked in your show, Standing, Waiting, Kissing, Waving, etc. There's so much activity going on in that and all these different figures. Is there a story behind that one? Um, not specifically. That was that was a painting that took a long time to kind of come together. It it was many other paintings before that, and then I think one day I just was like, just got to channel my sort of I don't care energy and just like <laughs> go at it. Sort of a not attack it, but I I think there's a kind of sense of. Uh, freedom or something in those brush marks what did you say i that i don't care energy well i was i was gonna swear but then i thought that uh, you might have to cut that out i was gonna say that i don't give a fuck energy which is what i try to channel when i'm feeling a bit um yeah despondent about the work or something so i i just try to 
go like I don't care what it's gonna look like I'm just gonna have fun which is something I've definitely been trying to bring I think the kangaroo valley residency was a turning point for me in realizing that like making work doesn't have to be serious and laborious all the time that actually I tend to make my best work when I'm just enjoying it and not worrying about yeah the outcome and just trying to get back to a place of being like this is why I do it because I because I'm enjoying it and I'm having fun but I'd say 90% of the time I'm like struggling and going what am I doing (laughs) yeah and rather than second guessing Mm. what other people might like about it yeah and not overthinking it just yeah I think I think that's can be the biggest hold hold back is you know going oh what should I do that should I not do that I tend to make my best paintings I think when I'm not thinking too much and I'm just in it yeah well yeah that as they say that getting in that flow state I suppose do you have anything that you know that helps you get into that I think obviously being in my space and having all my you know things around me is is always beneficial but I I, music can often be a good like shake shake up for me if I put on something that is quite energetic and like loose and freeing and yeah it just kind of allows me to move a bit while I'm making the work and then yeah. Is that the sort of music that they played where you played at Kangaroo in Kangaroo Valley or was it all varied? It was pretty varied, but we did have some like pump me up dance tunes, <laughs> which I think everyone was like, yeah, come on, we can do this. Like, yeah. Did you ha- did you take turns choosing the music? We did. Yeah. Although I'm I can be a bit of a domineering music control freak and <laughs> always want to pick things. So, I apologize to all my fellow kangaroo valley friends (laughs) i did that have you got any music um coming up on you know you're planning or you're writing at the moment um i've been writing a little bit this past few months i'm hoping that next year i'll make a record have a bit of time i've yeah i've i've done so many shows in the last year or not so many but to me it's felt like a lot have really been focusing on painting a lot so I think having time to make a record as well would be really good yeah this is something else I often ask a guest who's got a creative partner how they sort of influence each other or whether you know they give each other I mean, we did touch on that earlier, criticism or anything like that. Or do you find that you sort of tend to just do your own thing? Nah, we're we're pretty um, we're we're frequently having a dialogue about what we're both doing. I suppose we maybe hold back from. I, I'm probably not very good at it. I'm always like, that sounds so good all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I think I could probably be a bit better at holding back and being like, I'll wait till it's finished before I say anything. <laughs> but no, it's great. I mean, I can't really imagine being in a relationship with a not creative person because it's just, it's, yeah, it's my, my whole life is sort of, 
around music and art and listening to it and talking about it and looking at it and mm. yeah, and what a brilliant it's pretty, life that is pretty integral yeah, yeah it's fantastic and what are your plans once you know all this covid is over oh well i'm i'm trying not to make any plans it feels too you know sad when they don't happen <laughs> um I'd love to travel more overseas. I've I've travelled quite a bit, but I'd love to... There's more places I'd love to go. So hopefully that happens one day. But in the meantime, you know, pretty grateful for the, the world around me here. Yeah, it looks pretty amazing. Thanks so much, Georgia, for your time today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. What an interesting artist. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Georgia Spain as much as I did. Go to the website for images of the works and links to things we talked about in this episode. As always, you can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for your DMs and messages on those platforms and your emails and for all the ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing from you. Thanks for listening and I hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. I've worked with oils before, but because of my studio living situation being very much entwined, I stopped working in oils a few months into living here because I just thought the the health risks weren't worth it. So I paint with acrylics and I try, I guess I'm one of those people that like paints with acrylics, but tries to make it feel like oil paint because I love you know all the good things about oil paint that everyone loves like the buttery lusciousness um so i yeah i use a lot of mediums and i try to treat it in a way like oil paint but the thing i do love about acrylic paint is the kind of immediacy of just being able to go like oh okay i'm gonna let that dry don't like it paint over it like half an hour later